Have you ever wondered what it'd be like to have to flee your own country, spend days or weeks in a leaky boat on dangerous rolling seas, and then arrive in a new country where you are terrorised even more? Well, that's the life confronting millions of people in this world who have no choice but to seek asylum. All these people want is a fair go, but here in Australia, our government in our name treats these desperate people with cruelty and inhumanity. Here at 3CR, we aim to give these people a voice, a chance to speak out and let you know that they are just like us, people with hopes and aspirations, people who deserve to be treated as we would expect to be treated if we found ourselves in this position. Refugee Radio is the voice of refugees. It's hard to go on living when your future is denied. Good day and welcome to Refugee Radio. I'm your host, Celine Yap. And in the studio with me today, we have a very special guest named Koki Sally. Um, Koki is the founder of a not-for-profit organization called Baby Tree Projects and also um, Beekeeper... The bee, is it the bee? <laughs> oh my Beekeeper Parade? It's Beekeeper a, Parade. Yeah. And that's yes. a social business. Sorry, I yeah. didn't even have that in my notes. Uh, <laughs> that's all right. Um, and he has dedicated the, um, the last seven years of his life to helping children in his native Cambodia by building schools in impoverished and rural areas. Um, to give you a bit of background um, about Koki, um, Koki... Um, he was born in a prison during Cambodia's civil war in, nine, in the 1970s and escaped with his family um, when he was three years old and came to Australia. Uh, I'll give you a bit of background about what happened in Cambodia um, for that to happen. Um, from 1969 to 1979, Cambodia was torn apart by constant internal conflict and war with its neighbours. And in 1969, President Richard Nixon and Secretary of State Henry Kissinger authorized a secret bombing campaign in eastern Cambodia, which harbored North Vietnamese bases and part of the Ho Chi Minh Trail. In, the, in 1970, the neutralist Prince Sihanouk, who led the country as head of state and had managed to keep Cambodia out of the war in Vietnam and Laos throughout the 1960s, was overthrown in a coup um, by Lon Nol. A civil war between 1970 and 1975 between the American-backed Lon Nol government and the North Vietnamese soldiers and their Cambodian allies, the Khmer Rouge, killed tens of thousands of people and displaced over two million, mostly to the capital Phnom Penh, but also to Thailand and Vietnam. Indiscriminate American saturation bombing of the countryside in 1969 to 1973, a sideshow of the American war in Vietnam, devastated eastern Cambodia, forcing many villagers to flee the countryside or join the Khmer Rouge. The United States dropped more bombs on Cambodia than it did during the entire Second World War. When the United States Congress forced President Nixon to stop the bombing in Cambodia, the U.S. continued to channel millions of dollars in military aid to the Lon Nol government. On April 12, 1975, the U.S. Embassy in Phnom Penh was evacuated. Two weeks later, on April 30, the U.S. left South Vietnam. During the Khmer Rouge era, about 50,000 Cambodians fled to Thailand and an estimated 150,000 fled to Vietnam. As soon as the Khmer Rouge regime began to crumble under the onslaught of the Vietnamese in late 1978, a massive exodus of Cambodians began. 
about 630,000 braving hostile fire, minefields, bandits and border guards left the country between 1979 and 1981. In subsequent years, about 208,000 resettled in other countries. These included 136,000 in the United States, 32,000 in France and 13,000 each in Australia and in Canada. Um, so... Obviously, Koki and his family came over around that time, um, and and he, and that's where his story begins. So, welcome to the show, Koki. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for being here today. That's all right. So, um, you've started this business um, with a mission to create products that change the world, do no harm to the environment, nourish and support the people and animals that dwell on our planet, to seek solutions to our environmental crisis. Um, and to use businesses to inspire people to consume less and be more. Yes, it's a it's a mouthful. It is, isn't it? I thought, but it was so well worded that I had to <laughs> I had to state it. That's all right. No, I I, I wrote it, so I'm glad you. Uh, I love it. Shared our, our it's mission. It's beautiful. Thank you. Our vision is actually uh, to create um, to create a world of hope, where a world has hope, and also um, where people can create the life they want. So. Um, yeah, I, I think, uh, I don't know where we're starting, but I'll just start with hope. Um, yeah. Because uh, I, a lot of times people think it's this um, thing you can't feel and touch. But uh, the one thing that my family and my mother in particular used to survive imprisonment, starvation, witnessing execution and tortures is hope. And that's hope um, that there's kindness in people uh, around her, kindness in people that were imprisoning her, kindness in people halfway around the world that didn't know her but were willing to take action to to help. Um, hope is powerful. So, yeah, uh, thank you for, for reading our mission and, and sharing our vision that, as well. That's a great intro, actually. So um, you, you and your sister um, started this foundation together or this organisation together, the first one. Yeah, uh, so um, let's begin. <laughs> yes, <laughs> let's put this in, in, um, okay. in a straight so, line. Well, first of all, uh, you introduced uh, the the war in Cambodia yep. and gave a brief history of what led to, to that moment. So I just noticed that Radio 3CR was born in 1976. So was I. Oh. Um, and that's when the war broke out, the civil war broke out in Cambodia. So where everywhere else was 1976 in Cambodia, it became year zero, where uh, the Khmer Rouge wanted to wipe out history and start fresh and create a new society, an agrarian society, which is uh, farm-based. Okay. Um, so I, uh, my mother was pregnant at the time. I, I, I just want to give you kind of a, a human perspective mm -hmm. on all those numbers that you you Read sent out. out at the yes. very beginning, because yes. those numbers to me mean nothing. Mm -hmm. Um. And I think that's what people need to understand when they read uh, numbers here too. $55 million here, five people here, two people there. Um, even if it's one person, uh, putting a value on a human person's uh, life is, um, is quite difficult. Um, but we do it. And so people are valued differently. Anyway, um, my mother was put into a temple, which was called Koki Temple. Um, for pregnant women, and they turned this temple into a prison. And um, I was born in this prison with my mother, and uh, it's where I spent uh, my, the first three years of my life and my existence. 
So I kind of, people, when they see me living my life now and how I move in the world and talk, need to understand that my beginning in life was deprived of freedom. And one of my core values now for all my projects is uh, a belief in freedom, not only in the... Uh, not only as it is defined in the Human Rights Charter, but um, but how it's defined in my heart. So, for example, the freedom to take uh, to leave Australia when I need to just to travel, where I don't have to fill in an annual leave form, and have my destiny in the hands of a manager that does not care about me. Um, the freedom to um, to create the life I want. That kind of stuff is really important. But um, so that's that's pretty much uh, how I've tried to build all my projects. Um, in 1970, so I'm going to rush over the war because we could spend the entire time yeah, there. Yeah, and got, it's, we're not here. We're not here to talk yeah. about the war. We're here to talk about what you've now. done. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, what we're trying to do because, um, well, uh, very quickly, how did we get here? Um, the war went on for three years. Um, my mother uh, was uh, beaten and tortured and witnessed executions um, in prison. Um, I was three, one, two, three, and um, I do not remember any of this. However, if you, if anyone, any of your listeners have had children or nephews or nieces who are three or two, and they witness people being beaten and starved and tortured, there's no way that that child will be uh, unaffected by it, even if their brain... Um, can't remember. Tells them mm. to forget about yeah, it. Yeah. So I remember fear and things like that as I and I have nightmares sometimes. And even now, actually just a week ago, I had a dream where um, war came to Broadmeadows. So no, no matter where I am, war always follows me in my dreams, despite forgetting, not knowing my uh, beginning in life until I was in my adult years. Um so uh, my um, when I uh, most people when I tell this story say that I'm uh, lucky and it was a miracle that we survived, I now say to them that um, actually you're wrong, um, you're you're completely and utterly wrong. There was no luck in surviving this war uh, because you're kind of discounting the courage that my mum showed. She could have given up any time, and sometimes she describes to me how we survived. And this is one of my favourite lines is from Albert Einstein which is logic can take you from A to B, but imagination can take you everywhere. Um, because my mum used imagination to escape those steel bars and those guns. So even though physically we were confined to this space, um, they couldn't hold us in there. We were, we were, we were outside already. Um, that's the a, that's a power of imagination. She uh, believed and hoped that there was kindness in the soldier, soldiers around her, uh, kindness in fellow prisoners, kindness in people all around the world that volunteered their time to come to the borders of Cambodia and um, uh, doctors and nurses helping uh, treat refugees streaming out of the country um, in their hundreds and thousands, um, kindness in people in Melbourne fighting for our freedom. Um, that's why we survived. People cared and people took action and this is the result. There was no luck. I refuse to believe that it was just that um, this was a, a stroke of, I don't know, some kind like of random yeah, accident. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't. And I want, and I, I want people to know that to know that your kindness um, 
we all have this power and um, it's the power to change the world. It's greater than flying. It's greater than time travel. It's greater than any superpower. Um, it's, it's in your hearts already. You have the power to change the world. And I hope that you, you put on your capes and, and do it because that's what saved my life. And that's the only reason why I sit here alive in front of you and I get to talk about this story and I, I, um, uh, I get to, uh, yeah, I get to share this. This is uh, incredible. Um, so the, the, so I'm going to jump over now. Yeah, Am sure. I allowed to talk? Keep yeah, talking, right? just keep talking. Um, yes, this is your stage. <laughs> so, um, you know, my life in Australia was not the easiest. Um, however, there was happiness all around. My childhood was amazing. It was so much fun. But uh, looking back, it was quite difficult for my parents who were 30 and 40 when they arrived with no English um, and had to raise eight children, ni a ninth one coming, which was Sophie. Sophie was born here. And um, uh, there's a lot of struggles. I think all many families here understand how expensive to raise kids and to, be, to have to do that without even knowing the language, without knowing how to open a bank account, without knowing how to fill in forms, uh, was quite hard for them. I, I think I only understand the measure of their uh, of their uh, hard work now when I look back. At the time, I was just a child having fun. But, um, yeah, for them to put food on the plate, on the table was kind incredible. Easy, yeah. yes. Um, now, I, I finished my studies. I went to RMIT University. I enjoyed uh, the education here. And, um, you know, sometimes we would say, um, I'd love to win the lottery one day. I feel like I, I've already won it just by being in Australia and uh, being able to go to school here. And um, and everyone needs to know that. You've already won the lottery. Australians, most Australians, <laughs> yeah, I'll just say most, mm. have already won the lottery just by being born in Australia and accessing the education system here. For all its flaws, it's still a pretty good one that if you put your heart into it and you you put the work into it, you can take away from it everything you need to build uh, the life you, you want and can create a better world and be part of that. Um, so I, there's no way I, was, I wanted to go back and just find a corporate job. I, there's no way I was just going to uh, get a mortgage, buy a car. There's, I, I, I'm so not interested in any of that. Um, so I, uh, I created a... A charity called Baby Tree Projects, um, uh, and the reason why I credit that was because I wanted to go back and help rebuild Cambodia. I guess one of the things that we need to understand here, in the context of the refugee situation here, is that um, sending money over and putting people to housing in another country doesn't fix anything. Um, however, if you help the countries uh, in a meaningful way, in an honest way through maybe building schools and education where they don't have to run away to another country to access those things, then maybe they won't. Maybe they will happily stay. And I think if you ask most Cambodians living in, um, in Cambodia now, they want to stay there. Mm. It's their country. It's where their heart and soul uh, it's where they're connected to. And that's what, when you speak to most refugees, that's exactly what they'll say. They say, do you think I want to be here? I, I want to be home. Yeah. And, you know, people shout at them all the time along yeah. the streets, go back to where you came from. And they're like, I want to. Yeah. I, I can't. I will yeah. die. 
Um, so I, I, I think that's a yeah. very important point that, yeah. that you make. So money, I guess, uh, could be much better spent in helping on that side of things. Uh, but I wasn't going to wait for a government to do that. And uh, my role in life, I've decided it's not going to be processing on the streets. I just want to... I just want to get out and do it. Mm. And so we built, uh, I, I started with that with friends, uh, including my sister, Sophia. Um, and uh, so far we, uh, well, uh, by 2012 we built, um, sorry, I'm losing my time at date. By 20, yeah, 2012 we built four schools. Okay. Um, and it was great. Uh, the first school we built was in the very community that I was born in. So my parents uh, sent me back to the village I was born in and um, Koki Temple was there, so it became this really emotional experience for me uh, to go back and see bullet wounds still in the trees of, on these temple grounds, to see the the palm fronds that they used to slice people's necks and torture people with. Um, it was very confronting, but at the same time, it was it was now a place of peace. So it, it had that side but also evidence of its past was very much visible to a person that that knows what to look for. Um, my sister was um, diagnosed with cancer in 2010, mm. and, um, but it became terminal in 2012. And um, all the things that I've told you, being born in prison and uh, growing up in Australia with my parents struggling to support all all our kids um, is nothing compared to losing my sister um, and kind of what that um, did to me and changed the way I saw the world and so um I don't I didn't know it at the time but um I didn't recognize it at the time but um, even before she passed away I had already <laughs> Sorry. No, that's okay. Like, take, um, please take your time. Like, I had already started um, grieving. Yeah. And I'd already started. Um, I was in severe depression, and um, my mind was a complete fog. Um, but I I learned some really critical things that I'd like to share with people, and what's driven me to continue Baby Tree projects, and also uh, to create Beekeeper. And. Um, one of the first lessons was um, recognizing true courage. Um, I think true courage happens every day in in our world, and we don't see it. And I think we should take notice of the 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 kind of courage that happens in front of us. It could be a child standing up to bullies in class, um, or even a child just raising their hands for the first time to ask a question. So I was I was always a quiet child, and it took me a lot of thinking in my head and courage to actually just ask a question. That's true courage. Um, I didn't recognise it until tw- 2012, August 10th, um, when my sister dragged herself out of the bathroom in the hospital. And this was a particular, particularly really difficult night for her. Um, all the morphine in the world couldn't stop her pain. And um, she struggled to the side of the hospital bed and I was standing on the other side. And she looked at me and um, I looked back and through our, our, our red eyes, um, she didn't have to say anything, but she was saying to me, I, I'm going to let go soon. I'm about to leave. And um, while she was at peace and calm, 
in knowing that she was facing her own death very soon, I was a complete mess and uh, in chaos and couldn't, I, I couldn't deal with, with her leaving me. So I was holding on to her till the very end, metaphorically, physically. And um, on reflection, um, a few years later, that's the moment I recognised true courage in that if my little sister can face death with such beauty and calm and peace then there's not a single thing in this world that I need to fear. And um, and that's the kind of uh, uh, lesson that I've brought onto my future and what I will bring to the world. Another moment uh, that I learned was her leaving out of, leaving the hospital, having had a, a chemotherapy session, and I was driving her home, and she said to me, um, Koki, if you died tomorrow, would would you be happy with the sum of your existence? And um, I couldn't answer that prob- that question properly then, but um, I-, I never wanted to be in a position where I couldn't answer that question. And I thought, you know, if I did die tomorrow and the sum of my existence is a mortgage, I would be utterly devastated. And so I, I decided from that moment of realisation, and I've been working on it every single day, that if I do die tomorrow, then the sum of my existence will be much more than that. And I'm really happy that I could say I've fought so hard for these five schools now and I've fought so hard to build this English program, uh, the Solar Project and Beekeeper, that, I- that is inspiring change in the world. If that's... Um, so, so if I do go tomorrow, I'll be fine because I've done everything I could, my best, and that's all I'm going to ask of myself. And that's all anyone can ask of you, to yeah. look at your life and say he tried and he did his best. Yeah. I think that's so... Um, thank yeah. you. Thank you for sharing that, and I'm sorry. You, that's it's a right. bit hard. But, um, yeah, please keep going and tell us um, about your projects and yeah. so, how everyone can pitch in and help out as well. Yes. Yeah. So uh, in her will, Sophie left me her car, and she uh, said to sell it and use the money to create boy and b so we actually started this together and called it boy and b at the very beginning and uh it's about a 10 year old boy who was obsessed with bees um who wanted to change the world for the better but he realized he couldn't until he worked with his best friend the bee which was sophie's role um and it was about teamwork and friendship and if you can do that then you can change the world um however when she left i uh i aged immeasurably decades i can't tell you how sadness does that yeah, to you not yeah. physically but on this soul level i had aged immensely so to keep the name boy and b was not right in the last months of her life when she was in hospital i was there um every single day and i saw myself as one of her carers along with her friends and my sister-in-law and my mother um and her keeper and since she was um, the B in the original name, I decided to keep uh, B in there, but add Keeper since I was her Keeper. So that's how we became Beekeeper. And you're keeping her dreams alive. Yes, and, and my <laughs> dreams too. And, yeah. and all these new dreams, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so Beekeeper um, now is a social business. Um, it funds a lot of the projects uh, that Baby Tree uh, delivers. Uh, one of them is the English program. And the others is Solar Project. And it's really exciting that we're getting to 
a stage where I actually think it might be working. So that's crazy. We have a pop-up shop in Melbourne Central at the moment um, on the ground floor. If anyone's interested, come and say hello. Uh, we're near Kiki K. Um, yeah, or just Your Google website? us. Your, yeah. yeah. Beekeeperparade.com. Yeah. Make sure you put parade on there because I did it this morning and I forgot to put parade. <laughs> so you have to type in beekeeperparade.com. Parade. Yes. yes. Um, so uh, this at the moment, um, we, we create products to inspire change is kind of our tagline at the moment. But we will create services and we will create events to inspire change too um, in the future. Yep. So we'll keep an eye on that. Yes. Yeah. Um, we sell bags, backpacks and things like that at the moment. Um, for now, each backpack we sell, we send a child to English class in our schools for one whole year. And I'm really proud to say that uh, we have passed 1,000 funded places as of this month, which is incredible. And the other side of our business is that um, just because I was doing, trying to do uh, uh, good things in the world, it didn't mean I could harm the planet. Yes. And so uh, we turn donated clothes, uh, offcuts, remnant fabrics or end of roll fabrics into the bag. So we don't use anything new. We use existing stuff. Mm. And and that means we stop it from hitting our rubbish chips and landfill. And so far we've upcycled uh, over one tonne of fabric and textile waste into our bags. So we're actually cleaning the planet. And the bags are beautiful and very well made, by the way. (laughs) I I have seen these bags. They are. Well, uh, I spent two years designing them and trying to get them to the point where it's equal or better in quality to my competitors because I know that if I can do that, we will win on heart and soul because... I'd Why would you not? Why <laughs> would you not buy a bag like that rather than just a yeah. random one where you have no idea where it's come yeah. from? Yeah. So um, our bags also contribute to kids' education, English class education for a whole year as well. So um, why wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Please but, yeah. check them out in Melbourne Central. Yeah, um, yeah and their website as well. Yes. Um, looking forward, um, we don't. This is a pop-up shop. I'm not sure if we're going to get. Um, uh, you know, long-term lease, mm. but we're working towards that. Um, one day, I'll probably, uh, if we can secure something, I'd probably run some kind of crowdfunding campaign. So, yeah, have a look out yeah, for that. Yeah, keep an eye out for that. We will be sharing all these pages on yes. our Facebook page as well, by the way. Yeah. And before I go, I just wanted to say that um, it was Sophie's birthday, just Wednesday past. Uh, it's been quite a... Um, traumatic week but um i'm so sorry to top it off with with this that's okay uh, i'm gonna uh, the the final part i wanted to say was um i gave myself an epic challenge when she left uh in my grief and that was to find happiness again and i'm really glad to be able to share with people that um i have found happiness again and um and it feels good that's amazing i'm so happy for you and thank you for sharing your amazing and inspiring story. Um, thanks. And thanks for coming in and being here today. Thank you so much. I hope I didn't talk too much. No, you were uh, fantastic. Uh, I, tr- I, I really enjoyed not talking at all. It's <laughs> your story and you. you were amazing. I want to go out with a quote like we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, cho- I chose this quote specifically for Koki and his story. Um, this is a quote by Ralph Waldo Emerson. To know even one life has breathed easier because you have lived, this is to have succeeded. And I think that um, I'm sure there are a lot of people who have breathed easier because of you and your sister. So thank you. Thank you so much.
Thank You've you. been listening to Refugee Radio on 3CR 855 AM. We're going out to a song by Stanley Cora from his album Racha Yali Yali um, and the song is called Burala. Thank you for listening. Please stay tuned for the Latin American update.